Hey, it is the next episode of Pastor to Pastor. Come on. Pastor Seth, talk to us. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. It's so good to be back on the podcast. It has been some time, but look, you know, our schedules and a lot of other things have been popping up. It's been yeah. really hard for us to to make this happen and to give you some content that's worth listening to. That's right. And we definitely, we don't want to just talk for, for just the sake of talking. We want to give you something that you can chew on, something you can learn from and grow with. And so actually today, Pastor Seth, is the first time we have a guest in with both of us. Last week, last episode, I had uh, Pastor Tim Hodge of North you harvest um, we were talking about uh, hyper grace and its impact and, right. and this time we got the big pastor jason cook in from the refuge yeah, in conway up, south carolina <laughs> yeah. pastor how you doing man i'm good this this big talk's got me a little self-conscious but oh. other than that man i'm good i'm <laughs> well, glad to be here man great glad to have you. you great to have you in so so pastor you um you are kind of you oversee like eight different churches down in conway in the conway area so tell us a little bit about the Refuge. All right. So the Refuge was a church called uh, Conway First Pentecostal Holiness Church Incorporated of Conway. Something okay. like that. The na- it had more names than, you know, you <laughs> can find in the phone books. All yeah, right. bro. So the Conway Church, uh, we we started there. I went with a 20, 30 smiling faces my first Sunday and just kind of went in there and they asked me if I wanted to. I was asked to come speak. I went to fill in, came back and they said, would you be willing to come back? And my wife said, I don't think so, but <laughs> man, through the Lord's providence, we spent the summer there and uh, saw some amazing things. And long story short, God brought us to the place that's now called the Refuge. Man, it was a journey. It's been thirteen years now, and so I just thank God for His goodness. But it's an honor to be here with you guys today, man, for sure. Absolutely, thirteen years, um, definitely. Let me ask you this: is something we we typically start with is what we preached on this this past Sunday. But I'm going to ask you something different. Um, I want to ask you what the Lord's been speaking to you lately. Well, brother, if you ask me the hard question, he asked me the hard question. A couple of uh, weeks ago, we we started going through a season, uh, just some stuff going on in the church and stuff that uh really didn't have any control over. And one of the hardest things I would say Christians have to deal with, and unbelievers too, is trusting God when you can't see what's in front of you. Right. I heard Jensen Franklin say this morning that um, in the book of Esther, the name of God is not mentioned at all. Wow. But it doesn't mean you can't see his work. Yeah. The same is true with my own life. And I had to learn, as a matter of fact, out on the highway walking one morning, the Lord told me, wait till the dust settles. And so all of this chaos, you know, God's just been speaking the power of restoration, the power of just him putting things back together that were broken. And even in my own heart, the Lord's been dealing with me personally about places that I thought were submitted to him that wow. weren't and trust being the top of the list. We preach, trust God, trust God. But what about when it's your wife that has the diagnosis? Yeah, or, come on. Trust God. When it, what about when it's your family that's sick or your child that's addicted? Or It's just a whole other ball game when the Lord makes it personal. Yeah. And uh, if I would say he's put his finger on something in my life, that's been it. It's just trusting him when the bomb goes off, when things are going haywire, when you don't know where to turn, He's been teaching me that the stillness of just being in his presence is enough and that he's got it, man. If I can trust him with my eternal soul, that's right. And I sure can trust him with the things that affect Amen. my life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
That's great. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, man. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, about your background, and uh, you mentioned something about your family um, already. So just kind of tell me something. I think you, you said your wife was a cancer survivor. We're in Cancer Awareness Month, right? Yes, sir. So, so tell me a little bit about uh, about that that situation. Yeah, man, my wife is a cervical cancer survivor. Okay. She uh, actually is a three time. She had it three different times, and uh, one time the Lord healed her through a m- small medical procedure. The second time she had to do chemo. And uh, we were told that there would be no no kids down the line. They would that, that she was done. Uh, the third time she was diagnosed, she went in to start chemo, and the doctor said, "I'm sorry." And this is after 12 years of mine and her marriage and two miscarriages. And they said, well, "Sorry, we can't start chemo." To which she says, "Why?" And they said, "Because you're pregnant." Uh-oh. So I'm yeah, on. so miracle baby. My daughter was born uh, like not eight months later. And what the doctor said wouldn't happen, God allowed to happen. So, yeah, man, that, that my church, when I told them, they went bonkers. We, we Pentecostal <laughs> to the T, man. I, no, that's right. Some babies got thrown that oh. day and some laps got run. Man, just a great day. Yeah. Just a great day. But uh, married to the same girl I've been married to for 18 years next month. Awesome. Uh, December, yeah. we've been. I met her here in Larnburg and, uh, while I was doing my internship up at Northview. And uh, we've been married. My daughter, Alice, she's five, and uh, she's our miracle baby for sure. And uh, thankfully, um, she has my energy, but my wife's uh, demeanor in some ways. So okay. she'll, she'll give it back to you just as quick, but right. she also has my energy. So to God be the glory. My father is a uh, third generation, second generation IPHC minister, and making me a third uh, generation IPHC minister. So that's the roots. Hey, dude, this, this is my heartbeat. IPHC is me, man. I know it sounds crazy, but it's all I've ever known. Yeah, and, yeah. and so uh, my my great granddad attended the Lake City PH Church way, way, way back when, and it's all it's all I know. I'm uncomfortable anywhere else. This is my family. These are my people. So yeah, I, I love these people. We are called IPHC. We were actually actually recently at the Quadrennial Conference for the IPHC, the South Carolina IPHC mm-hmm. uh, Conference, and got to see you uh, voted in as one of the district members, um, board members. Mm-hmm. So it was an honor to be able to see you you do that. And you did something we talked about briefly earlier. Yeah. Um, you turned down letting your name run to be on um, for one of the positions. Yeah. At the IPHC conference. I did, man. I did. I had to. I, I came to a place, again, trust. This was a, a year prior. You know, you start hearing talk, we're going to nominate you. We're going to nominate you. We're going to nominate you. Okay, well, that's fine. You know, we'll see what the Lord wants. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, uh, that moment came, and I had been praying, and, and I thought up until like a week before, I'm going to let my name run. And, you know, after talking with mentors, crazy part is all my mentors said, do it. Do yeah, it, do yeah. it, do it. It would have been an elected uh, full-time position, I would have had to vacate my church. And um, sitting down one day at my desk in the afternoon, my wife and daughter were taking a nap, and I couldn't sleep, went and sat at my desk. And the Lord told me very emphatically through an old Southern gospel song called Daystar. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. And I realized that my open door was in my city. It wasn't in another place. Yeah. So it came to that moment, but when the possibility of serving on the conference executive council came up, I was like, huh. I believe that that's something I can do and serve well and hopefully bring some of the revitalization techniques the Lord has given me uh, to the conference level. And sure enough, that that has been uh, something the Lord's allowed me to do, man. Huge decision to say no. Absolutely. Huge decision to say but no. But I have to say kudos to you um, for following what God wanted you to do instead of what 
you know, the flesh may have told you, you know, the average person uh, the, who don't listen to God would normally no, they say, want it, man. They yeah, said, let me have that. Position. This is a yeah. blessing. This is a blessing. I got to take it. Right. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, kudos to those who actually listen to sure. what God is saying in the heart of the father. And they're able to do what God wants them to do versus what they may want to do themselves. Yep. That's truth. Man. That is spiritual maturity, uh, which you would expect from a pastor. But, but just to be honest, I've been around a few who would have taken the position. Absolutely. For but, politics sake man just yeah. to, just oh this is a big deal and yeah. you may not even get it but just letting your name run you know that that, that to me says i'm willing to do this and yeah. for me too what would that have said to my congregation right i'm willing to vacate to go up and if the lord just said do it all day long i'd have yeah. done it yeah but, dude when there's no clarity uh, the proverbs sixteen thirty three said man can roll his dice but the lord determines how they fall yeah, yeah. Meaning, yeah. I, I just resolve that if he's God enough to put me in, he's God enough to keep me out, and he's God enough to tell me no. And yeah. that's, that's what he did. It just speaks, yes, too, as leaders, how we, we should be maturing in our spiritual walk and hearing the Father yeah. and not as our flesh. Because I, I remember even younger in ministry, and I'm only 35, been in ministry about 11 years, but I remember young in ministry where I could have went to a 2,000-member church being a student pastor, and I, we're, all, we're almost in the door, and the Lord's like, it's not it. And I look back, and I thank God that I, I said no to it because it, it would have destroyed the passion that I had and the heart for, for people and pastoring. And so it's just good to know that even on those levels and even on the higher levels, to know that we have leaders uh, that are that are taking a step back and say, okay, God, where is it that you want me in this conference? Is it at the executive board? Is it the district board? And, man, we're honored that you're a part. Jason and I, if you don't know this, we are part of the IPHC as well, and man, we're honored to have you on on that board leading it. It, it gives us a, it's like a little God wink, like, hey, we got some good people to move forward and to make some changes that need to be done. So, man, we, we love that, appreciate that so much. As a part of that council, man, one of the goals and agendas is to unify around this concept of family. Yeah, like Bishop Smith, that's one of his main agendas from Numbers six twenty seven through twenty eight or twenty six through twenty eight, but. It's one of his main dreams is how do we make this thing a family unit where we're not, it's not you, Seth, up there in Southern Pines and Jason here in Laurenburg and me in Cotton Eye. We are one family yeah, just yeah. stretched out. No different than my wife who's uh, in Conway today fixing to go to work. She's still my family. Yeah, you know? that's and right. We, we are family on the same agenda, man. And kudos to you uh, for recognizing that moment in what could have been a very lucrative, very fulfilling position but dude if if the grace of god doesn't lead you the grace of god doesn't have to sustain you that's right and so that's the danger of moving outside the will of god when when i came back to my church and it felt like all hell broke out this summer at the end of the day i had a word to go back to to remind okay lord you said now Mm -hmm. i'm here so kudos to you man for having that word now you got a reason to go back say all right god I'm standing on what you told me. Listen, right. I don't know if y'all caught this. I don't know if Jason caught it, but what he, this man just said was a truth bomb. So if if God if God's grace, you got to do God's grace. Mm-hmm. God's grace doesn't have to sustain you if you go in a place that God didn't grace you to be at. It's not yeah. his job, then. man. It's not in his that, hands. Whew, let that free some people today that are listening, man. Follow the grace and the pace that God's given you, and He'll and sustain you. He'll and sustain you in everything. Man. He'll sustain you at the grace, the pace, in your space. Come I like on. it. We're going to series, all right? We, we take up an offering now. We're ready. There you go. We're at church. Yeah. I love that, man. It's, uh, it's so, the truth. It, yeah. It's no way around it. Like, there's no way around. If the grace of God 
if you go into something, we, we see it all throughout Scripture, people that tried to move apart from the grace of God. And at the end of the day, man, it always collapses. But the moment they, they get back into the grace of God and the moment they recognize I'm back in God's will, yeah. there's a sustaining grace. Yeah. It's not just a saving grace, but it's a sustain. Man, Amen. Whew, that ministers to my heart. It's yeah. a sustaining grace. Yeah, let's Absolutely. live there, man. Yeah, let's stay there. Yeah. Let's uh, stay there. Tell us a little bit about um, what the typical day looks like for the for the pastor, oh, Jason Cook. Mm, man, my day. So I'm in grad school, attending Liberty University, uh, graduate in December with All a right. master's degree um, in theological studies. So my schedule is a little different now than it has been in years past. Um, and then I start my doctorate in January. I want to actually get an 18-month doctorate at d from Liberty in church revitalization. So one day I want to write. And that's part of it. I feel like the doctorate will add validity yeah. plus the experience to be able to speak authoritatively okay. to other pastors who want to revitalize. Man, this I think revitalization right now is just as strong a movement and necessary as church planting. I think it takes both. Okay, If we don't have both arms of the church moving, I think we're crippled because we only have one way yeah. uh, of going. So typical day for me right now, uh, I get up at 4.30 every morning. That's my that's my time. That is new since January. Um, Did you say four thirty? Cause four thirty. Cause four thirty every day. Uh, here's why though, and I hope it makes sense. Um, last winter, I loved to duck hunt. Love to go duck hunt. I'm a redneck through and through, and love to get up. But you have to get up three four in the morning. Yeah. Uh, to go duck hunting and drive and go out on the cold water and shiver and then shoot and then go home, clean your birds. And, Sounds like a great time. Yeah. Oh, it's a ball, man. <laughs> it's great. It's great. But the Lord whipped my tail one time when he said, all right, so you'll get up for a duck, but you won't get up for me. Ooh. And I said, oh, because I remembered the scriptures that said Jesus Arose early mm. and went and spent time with Dang, his father. Man. Oh, dude, he got me. <laughs> Don't be convicting yeah. me on this podcast, <laughs> man. Me, Come on. He got me. I'm telling you, he yeah. got me, dude. I went from there and I went home and I tried six for about three months and then I backed it up. I said, this isn't enough time. Backed it up to 5 30. I tried yeah. that for about three months and that just still wasn't enough time. Backed it up to five. Settled on five until August and then my daughter would have to be at school by 8. Well, now she's in kindergarten. She has to be at school by 7.15. So I backed it up to 4.30 so that I have adequate time before I have to take her to school. Uh, my wife is a third shift overnight nurse uh, at the hospital. So she's gone most of the night, and she's not back in time to take her to school. So I take her to school. So I got to have my time. And uh, so my day starts at 4.30. I go sit down at my desk. Um, I open the Word of the Lord, and I go out. Actually, I go outside. I pray yeah. uh, first. Open the word, and I copy scripture. I know that sounds weird, but um, I was doing that for a long time before I realized my goal is to copy my entire Bible in two more years. By the time it's all done, okay. I do about a chapter a day, uh, one full sheet. It will take about a chapter a day. I put my prayer request and things that have happened that day or that week, and I make sure and document those things. But um, I was doing that for a couple of years, and then I found out, and another minister said to me, he said, Jason, um, he said, you know why you're doing it? I said, no. He said, if you go back to the Old Testament, there's a passage that says every king should make a copy or make a copy of the law and read and refer to it often. Wow. And I didn't even recognize it, but I was doing, I'm not a king, but I was doing what other kings before had done. Yeah. They, were, they had to copy the law. So you imagine David and uh, Solomon and Saul, they were copying the law of Moses so that they had it and referred to it often. So that's part of my morning. I have four devotional books I'm reading. One is Greek for the day. I know nothing about Greek other than what my little 
uh, book tells me a, a one page of Greek a day. I do a John Maxwell leadership book every day, uh, leadership devotional, and then I do one called Restoration Year by John Eldridge, and then I have one I'm reading uh, right now called um, Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm, and Blowing My Mind by Philip Keller. So that's that. I'm done with that. Then about 6 o'clock, I, uh, I have a Bible app on my phone. I do two devotions on it, and I text every single uh, person. I've got about 30 people or so that I pray for on a daily basis, and I send them a text, a screenshot of a Bible verse that I read that day, just to let them know I'm thinking about them and praying yeah, about them. That's so good. Get my daughter up at six thirty, man. I go to work by seven thirty, and then I leave work at two. Work be in the church. I'm there four days a week. Um, typical responsibilities, you know, making sure things are done and met. And then I go get my daughter and go home. And somewhere around eight nine o'clock, I start working my way towards shutting my eyes. But um, yeah, you know, I just want to let you know between 4.30 and 6.30, you do more <laughs> than most <laughs> pastors and most people in general do all, all day long. All week. Yeah, dude, but man, that's the most productive time of the day. My Absolutely. wife is asleep or not there. My daughter is asleep. Yeah. So, man, I've got my desk at the house. I've got all my stuff. Dude, that is it. the sweetest time yeah. with the Lord. I found myself walking down. I have a sidewalk in front of my house on the road. Uh, I find myself just out there praying and weeping and rejoicing. Ain't it's pitch black dark? Can a yeah, soul yeah. see me? But I get this morning. I walked out and um, all my lights on my house were off, so it's pitch black dark. Cause yeah. and I got to thinking about Jesus venturing out into the night with no light, no torch, no flashlight, wow. no nothing. Yeah, just pitch black dark to go spend time with his father. Mm. And dude, that burned inside of me. I said, man. The determination to walk around with snakes and rats and roaches and and go walk in straw and everything that's in Israel and here's Jesus just out among the nature yeah. talking to his father, dude. That just Man. it did something to me because I realized I'm getting to do something my Jesus did. Wow! Early in it's the beautiful. morning, just time with my father. I'm not perfect. I'm so far from it. Because this, if I were honest with you, my study is where I was the slackest. Yeah. Leading up to this year, I was just. I studied when I could. I didn't make time for it. I just fit it when I had time. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, of course, tried to be daily, but I, it just wasn't the priority it is now. Now, yeah. I feel out of order if I don't start my day. And I'm going to be mind. honest. I'm checking my salvation over here, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even lying. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. So. God, oh, man, get out of here. No, I love it, man. That's I'm getting up early tomorrow, bro. You tried. It'll mess you up. It'll mess you up. Try yeah. th- don't get crazy. My youth pastor come in and he like sleeped about one o'clock every afternoon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I said, all right, cuz, how about tomorrow? Try six thirty. He comes in tomorrow the next day about half asleep and <laughs> drinking four Red Bulls. I mean, you know, but <laughs> the kicker for me is just, uh, dude. My mom is a my mom gets up two or three every morning. It's just she's just a night owl. But uh, if I don't get it done in the morning, you know, oh, some yeah. people are morning people. Some people are night people. I'm yeah. a morning person. If I try to do something at night. It doesn't make coherent sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah, but if I do it in the morning, man, God's got my full attention, and he's got, you know, we the with our tithe. That's right, man. Yeah. With our tithe, we want to give God our first fruits. I'm giving him the first fruit of yeah. my day. That's awesome. So yeah. he gets a chance to bear a harvest in me on the first part of my day. So man. That, that's me, cuz. <laughs> that's the whole word, man. <laughs> that, that's it, man. Oh, man. That, that's me. Yeah, that's, that's great. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Um so tell me a little bit about the refuge itself. I know the currently the ministries that you're involved in. All right. Well, I feel like I'm doing a whole lot of talking. So y'all just tell me to hush. If I'm talking too much. You're good. We go are, ahead. We go are. ahead. The refuge itself. Um, 
when God gave us the vision for refuge, I was actually out duck hunting uh, one morning, and we were somewhere we weren't supposed to be. We were actually in a, um, I didn't realize it, but we looked up after hunting for a long time and realized we were in a wildlife refuge. And the guy with me, the guy I called Gay Beard, you know, big old beard, yeah, his, <laughs> his, he looks at me and he said, man, that maybe that's the name for the church. I said, huh. I said, yeah, maybe. And so we go back, and Conway first, I ended up there. I told you my story, just going as an interim, and I wanted, I had applied to go to another church. I was down to the last three candidates, and I was one of the three, and I just had my mind made up. That was it. Well, come back, and uh, that, that wasn't it at all. That wasn't what the Lord wanted. The Lord wanted me at that church in Conway. But when I went and preached first time, I was like, ah, I don't want to be here. Ah, they, they sang the praise and worship service was nine minutes. We sang every line of the red back. You know, my coming oh, yeah. up, we used to skip every other line. Nah, we sang every line. Praise yeah. and worship was nine minutes. This guy gets up with his open shirt, big green shirt. He said, well, the preacher's coming. And so then it was my cue to preach. So I go preach. But anyway, that church, that summer, we started having drug addicts show up. We started wow. having alcoholics show up. We started having the homeless show up. We started seeing lives transform, families put back together. And we had a work day. I'm still the interim. I wasn't even the pastor. We had a work day. And I'm out trimming bushes, you know, one day around the sign with the work day with the other men. And there are actually some women there. We just cleaning up. The Lord spoke to me and said, dead things can live. And I said, huh, dead things can live. The sign, the hedges were this much above the sign. They were six, eight inches above the sign. Couldn't even hardly see the sign. It was covered up. The Lord spoke to me and said, dead things can live. I said, okay. So now I've got dead things can live. I've got refuge in my head. We uh, They voted me in as pastor, and um, they had already bought property and the whole nine uh, before the church had just gone down so bad. The pastor retired, and the church just really, really struggled. But uh, as time went on, I, I gave him my vision. I said, I don't mind. I'd love to be, you know, be your pastor, but I want to give you my vision. Yeah. And I did. It was three pages long, and it was ministry after ministry after ministry after project after project. I mean, it was just it was by, it was I gave them all of it. He's the same thirty I, people. Yes, sir. He said no. By then we were at a hundred. So wow. It, over this summer, it went from thirty to like one seventy. So by this point, we're at like I don't know. We're 100, 120 people. Same member board. You know, same same council. And uh, one of the board members, uh, one particular thing I wanted to do was move Sunday school to Wednesday night, and he just had a conniption. He said that'll never work. And I said I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Because if we're going to do it, God's going to bless it. Right. You know, as long as we're in his will, yeah. we got it. Right. Yeah. So we, we did it. And uh, it still is the most successful program we've had today. Moving forward, and we moved, uh, we blew out of that building so fast. That building, people get to shouting and the floor get to shaking. It was mm. just, it was an 80 year old building. We moved over to uh, our location now. And man, the Lord has just um, made this thing. There's so many ministries we're in. We have a food bank ministry that feeds about 250 people every month. We have a um, motorcycle ministry, Mission 25. We have a homeless um, ministry where we go from time to time and give bags to people that are homeless. We have an addiction recovery ministry called Hope Center. We have 28 men that live full-time residents of Hope wow. Center. And um, that's new this year. We just did that. But the Lord gave us that this year. And um, 28 men, they attend our church faithfully, and we mentor them and train them. And they're in uh, vocational training. So that's been a huge deal. Our church does a pro-life um, 
a pro-life ministry, we have a closet that is about the size of, I don't know, it's a 10 by 40 closet that has diapers and wipes for mothers that don't have diapers and wipes. So we just, we are pro-life. We're not just pro-birth. We're pro-life. Yeah, yeah, we want to help you on. do it. Absolutely. We help you care for these babies. So, um, uh, the ministries just could go on and on, man. God has just given us influence. Um, we're doing chaplaincy that's being developed right now to actually come us alongside our local sheriff's office to do chaplaincy ministry downtown. Um, we just, if it, if it is helping people, we try to be involved in it. The hands it's and feet. People. Yes, sir. Beautiful. Yes, sir. Hands and feet. We get involved. That's right. That's great. Hey, so we have enjoyed really kind of getting to know Pastor uh, Jason Cook. And so we're going to actually, we're going to wrap this here today. And then we're going to go ahead and for the next episode, we're going to go ahead and start really digging into the main topic and why we're here today, which yeah. is uh, church revitalization. So as we wrap this, hey, we uh, hope that you'll tune in to us next week as we listen to Pastor Jason talk about this church revitalization. So we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Bless you. Bye. See you next week.